Daniel. We'll be looking at Daniel 3, starting at verse 19. And to give honor to God and His holy word, we'll stand as we read the word of the Lord. Daniel 3, starting at verse 19, to the end of the chapter. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath, and his facial expression was altered toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. He commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the, into the furnace of blazing fire. Then these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, and their caps, and their other clothes, and were cast in the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. For this reason, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flame of the fire slew those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. He said to his, his high officials, Was it not three men? cast bound into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, Certainly, O king. He said, Look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire, without harm, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the the furnace of blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on on the bodies of these men, nor was the hair of their head singed, nor their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of fire even come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command and yielding up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses reduced to rubbish heap, a rubbish heap, inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon." Please be seated. Let's pray together. Our Father, we ask that you would help us to receive this, your word, to believe and to trust that you are the God who delivers and that you are even our Savior. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I want to read to you a historical article 
This is, uh, this is not um, something that's been improvised. This is an actual recorded event um, from the Voice of the Martyrs website. A man named Pascal had started a Bible study with a Hindu friend named Ritish. One evening they studied Psalm 115. Riddish was immediately struck by the contrast between Hindus' lifeless idols, which have ears but cannot hear, and the living God, which hears and answers our prayers. After several months of reading the Bible, he abandoned the idols and their, their empty rituals to take up his cross and follow Jesus. Now, this is in India. Uh, Riddish arrived home from work to again find a large crowd outside his house. Suddenly, some men grabbed the Riddish, his wife, and their children and dragged them to a local temple. Once inside, they were forced to sit down in a row facing ten Hindu leaders who asked them, Who do you worship? They demanded. Jesus or the Hindu gods? Are you a Hindu or a Christian? As the family sat in silence, one of the Hindu leaders clarified their intent. We will kill you if you don't leave Jesus, he threatened. The men then began beating Riddish and Vanya, while their terrified children began to cry. One of the leaders threw Riddish's Bible on the ground. Who is the person who gave you this Bible, he asked. Tell us. And Riddish remained silent. I will finish that in a little bit at the conclusion of the sermon. Um, The reason I read that is because it's not only during this episode as we read here in the book of Daniel where people are threatened to worship an idol or to reject their God or to be killed, such as being thrown in a fiery furnace, but here is the case where people were threatened with death if they didn't leave their worship of Jesus. Before we look at today's text, I want to review a little bit more of the context. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was the one who had sieged Jerusalem and taken the people captive. It was foretold by the prophets even that Babylon was the one that was going to be the instrument of God's chastisement for the people. Um, Later in this chapter, Nebuchadnezzar, um, well, I'm sorry, a a little bit earlier, Nebuchadnezzar thought it was a good idea to mandate um, government-ordained idol worship. So he built this huge golden image. We don't think it was solid gold. Maybe it was overlaid with gold, but still it was very impressive. Um, The modern measurements would be approximately 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. It doesn't say whether it was humanoid or not, but by the measurements, most likely humanoid at least, or maybe a man. And he set up an orchestra, and he said, when, when all these instruments of the orchestra are sounded, if you do not bow down and worship this idol, this golden image that I made, anyone in Babylon who does not obey my voice will be thrown into a fiery furnace. So the people of all different tribes and nations who were gathered and taken captive and into Babylon, they all listened and obeyed the king and when they heard the sound of this little orchestra they worshipped and bowed down before the golden idol except for three men Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and this report was given to the king and the king was enraged 
and he gave them a second chance. He said, if the next time this music is played and you hear that music, if you bow down before the golden image, then you will be spared. But if not, I will cast you into the fiery furnace. Look at what he says here. Um, he, he says, in, uh, he said, whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into this furnace of fire. Now, in arrogance and in ungodly pride, in verse 15, he asked this question. What God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? The context of this is that Babylon gloated against Jerusalem that who can deliver Jerusalem out of my hands? Of course, God chose not to deliver Jerusalem because he sought to punish the people for their idolatry. So he allowed Nebuchadnezzar to take the city, but that puffed up Nebuchadnezzar in pride. So he tells these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what God is there that can deliver you out of my hands? He didn't deliver Jerusalem, did he? He won't deliver you either. And this is what they said in verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. In other words, we rather die then worship your idol. If that's what has to happen, O king, we will die. If we look at today's text, we will see this in the main focus of God's deliverance from the fire. And we'll notice this in two main points. God's deliverance of Daniel's friends. And secondly, Nebuchadnezzar's response. So let's look first at God's deliverance of Daniel's friends. It says here in verse 19 uh, that Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath and his facial expression was altered towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I've, I've, I've had people with very angry expressions before and when they're enraged, one of the things that they do is they clench their teeth. Like they wanna, they're so angry they want to devour you. You can imagine him maybe there with clenched teeth and angry eyes that are like burning with fire he's so mad and he says he answered by giving orders to heat that furnace of fire seven times more than it was usually heated well that was a little too much don't you think because he killed some of his own men when they tried to throw these men into the fiery furnace they were tied up in their trousers their coats and their caps and their other clothes and they were cast into the furnace of fire and it says that the, these valiant men, these mighty warriors who did throw them in, they got burned up and they were slain by the intense heat of the fire. Verse 24. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. He said to his high officials, Was it not three men we cast into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, Certainly, O king. 
He said, look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. We know God heard the arrogant words of Nebuchadnezzar when he said, what God is there who can deliver you out of my hand? Well, he showed him. He showed him, didn't he? He showed this proud tyrant exactly who he was and his power and might. The three friends of the king said, our God who we serve, he is able to deliver us from this fire. And he did. They didn't know for sure what was going to happen. They didn't know that God was going to deliver them. They were maybe expecting to die. But God chose to deliver them. Notice that there's a key figure here. A fourth individual who is not really named, except by Nebuchadnezzar, and I believe named inappropriately. Look at verses 24 through 25. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste, and he said to his high officials, Was there not three men cast into the midst of the fire? Then they replied to the king, Certainly, O king. He said, Look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Now, if you have other translations, sometimes it says, This fourth man is like a son of God, singular. But in the Hebrew, it's actually plural, gods. And that kind of fits with where Nebuchadnezzar was spiritually. Nebuchadnezzar at this point in his life still believed in a plurality of gods. But he's learning in this text that the God of the Hebrews is a most high God, a supreme God, an almighty God, but he's still one of many gods. So when he sees uh, this fourth man, he says he looks like a son of the gods. And then later on in the text, he says he's an angel. He believes that that man that was in there is an angel. Now, what do we believe concerning this man? Most theologians agree that this is a, an appearance of the pre-incarnate son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, before he had taken upon himself flesh. Now, some might say, this is a little nitpicky to say this, but I've heard somebody recently say Jesus was in the fire with them. Well, I had a professor one time tell me, he said, well, he's not called Jesus till he's, he's taken on flesh, so it's not really appropriate to say this was Jesus at this point because he's not named Jesus till much later. But anyway, better, safer to say the pre-incarnate Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, the eternal Son of God is in the fire with these men. I think it's beautiful. He saves them from Nebuchadnezzar's furnace of fire, but later on dies on the cross to save them, save them from the fiery hell by suffering and taking their sins upon the cross. So he saves them from fire twice. But notice this man had a glorious appearance. Still, um, Nebuchadnezzar is, you, you can imagine, extremely impressed. Notice what happened next in verses 26 and following. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the furnace of blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. 
Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was the hair on their head singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of fire even come upon them. This is reminiscent of a promise mentioned in Isaiah. Let's look at Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3. But now thus says the Lord your Creator, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You might not be aware of this, but in the great hall of fame of faith in Hebrews 11, one of the mentions of great faith doesn't mention these three men by name, but it does say that by faith some quenched the power of fire. That's speaking of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hebrews 11. Now let's look at Nebuchadnezzar's response. Remember his faith face was altered. He was enraged at these guys. He wanted them dead. He wanted them not just dead. He wanted them burned asunder. He was extremely angry. And then all of a sudden, his face changes to astonishment. Verse 24 says that he was astounded. You could translate that as amazed. A, a possible translation, which is not used much of this, I've, I've read, could be horrified. But here, we'd, we'd say amazement. If he was horrified, he'd probably run the other direction. But uh, the king said in verses 28 through 29, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command and yielding up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. Now pause for a second there. He's praising God for them disobeying his order. I praise this God. Man, this God is, is amazing. And I, I praise you, young men, for disobeying my order as well. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses reduced to a rubbish heap, inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. It's my belief and understanding that from this point on until the end of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, the Hebrews here are granted an extreme freedom to worship for the rest of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. 
Because can you imagine if you say something in violation or offensive to the Hebrew God, limb from limb you're torn to pieces and your house is turned to a rubbish heap. I think that I think those people of all the different religions and pantheon of religions of the Chaldeans and all, I think they they were kind of careful in what they said about the God of the Hebrews. Uh, walking on eggshells, you could say. But what Nebuchadnezzar says here is not an acknowledgement that God of the Bible is the only God, that Jehovah is the only God. I, I know it sounds great that he calls him the Most High God, but he's the Most High God of many gods in the minds of Nebuchadnezzar at this point. But when the king is thankful and praising these three young men for their stand, he's not just talking eye service, I mean, giving lip service. Um, he says something, and there's something he does actually in verse 30. It says, The king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. So he gave them favor, he gave them honor, he, he helped them, and I guess maybe he tried to make up to them for throwing them in a, fire, a fiery furnace. And he gave them honor and he caused them to prosper in the land. Before we move on, I want us to acknowledge one thing. When we look at the Bible, this was not written with chapter and verse divisions. This was added later. It was written as continuous text. So what happens and what is written in the beginning of chapter 4, I believe, goes with the conclusion of what Nebuchadnezzar had to say concerning this great revelation or this great sign and miraculous wonder. Look at uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language that live in all the earth, may your peace abound. It has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. You might say, well, man, did Nebuchadnezzar become a worshiper of the Most High God? Not yet. Not yet, but I think he does later. When Nebuchadnezzar uses this term, Most High God. If you look carefully and examine the book of Daniel, you'll find this title for God being used on the lips of Daniel. If you look at chapter 4, twice, we're looking a little bit ahead, but twice in verses 24 and 25, this is a title that Daniel uses concerning Jehovah. That Jehovah is, or Yahweh, is the Most High God. What's Nebuchadnezzar doing taking up this title as well? I, think, I believe this is clear evidence that the prophet had great influence upon Nebuchadnezzar, that even Nebuchadnezzar was using this title to refer to the God of the Hebrews. One thing that's also impressive, I find, is that Nebuchadnezzar, having raised up one of the greatest kingdoms and empires that has been ever known, was willing to submit that his kingdom wasn't going to last forever. 
He had already been revealed that his kingdom, which was the head of the statue, was going to come crashing down with the other kingdoms. But he acknowledged that God's kingdom was the everlasting kingdom. He says here that the Most High, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Whatever it is that we may do, whatever it is that we may seek in our lives, remember, give way to the kingdom of God. Let's put his kingdom first. Jesus says if you put his kingdom, the kingdom of God first, all other things necessary for your life will be added unto you. But put the kingdom of God first. God's Deliverance of Daniel's friends was through a miraculous work. It was by the power of God. It was also through the eternal Son of God abiding with them there in the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar sought to terrify them and sought to kill them, but God delivered them from that fiery furnace. Keep in mind, there's another fire that this is only a precursor to. There's an eternal fire and a lake of fire that will burn forever and ever and that shall never be quenched. And for all who are cast into that fire, they will burn for all eternity. So this fire here is just a glimpse of the a worse, much worse fire. And we can only be delivered from that eternal fire through the eternal Son of God, that same one that is in the fiery furnace with them, who took on flesh... And on the cross, bore the wrath of the Father. He bore the pains of hell for all who put their faith in Him. He bore the pain of fire, eternal fire, when God inflicted upon Him His wrath. And that's why Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God had forsaken Him. He became a curse for us so that we would not have to bear the curse. Brothers and sisters, the only way that you can escape that fire is to put your faith in Jesus Christ alone, who died and suffered for sinners such as you. Getting back to the story of Riddish. Police held Riddish at the police station later on. So they went before the temple. And they were threatened at the temple. Then later on, the police acquired them. And then the police took them to the police station. And they threatened them. Riddish began to pray. I am surrendering my life to you, O Lord, he prayed. If I die, I will die for you. If I live, I will live for you. To Riddish's relief, the police officers drove him to his home. Then they questioned him and his family for four hours, asking them why they left Hinduism and became Christians. The curious villagers again gathered to Riddish's home, taking photographs and videos when the police were interrogating them inside. Finally, the officers walked them out of the house and led them back to the temple, where they tried to force them to perform a Hindu ritual. This is the police, by the way. And to cause them to return back to Hinduism. When the family refused, the police let them go. While Riddish and his family may never again be accepted by their neighbors, God has restored to them some sense of normalcy to their daily lives. 
The ministry of Voice of the Martyrs helped them by finding a new home where they feel safe and where they're provided for. And uh, they actually helped Riddish get something called a rickshaw. I don't know if you've heard of that before. A rickshaw is a tricycle that has a little bench in the back where you can have passengers, sometimes two to three maybe at the most. But the guy in the front pedals these people around town. So he's, he started doing that for a living to help support his family. And sometimes the persecutors ride along on the back of the rickshaw. They recognize him, but they don't say anything. But Riddish seeks to simply love them because he wants them to know the love of Christ who has given him peace with God. The reason I give this story is because there are a lot of people, even modern people today, who are of the same steadfast, uncompromising faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are unwilling to bow the knee to any other but to God himself, the God Most High. Let's seek to follow their example and have faith like them. Let's pray. We thank you, O Father, for the faith that you have worked in these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We thank you for the faith that you work in each and every one of us. We pray that you would give us an uncompromising, steadfast faith that we would refuse the worship of idols, that we would refuse the worship of pagan deities, that we would be willing to say, if we die, we will die for you, and if we live, we will live for you. Help us, O God, to have such steadfast faith. Help us to have a steadfast trust in Jesus alone as the only means by which we may escape the coming fire. And help us to rejoice in the salvation that you have purchased through him, through Jesus our Lord. For we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. For our concluding hymn, Let's turn to 524, 524, guide me, O thou great Jehovah, we'll stand and sing.